Glasgow Women's Library. Mixing the colours, women speaking about sectarianism. womenslibrary.org.uk Glasgow Talent by Pauline Lynch The building is short, square and pebble-dashed ugly. The thrum of the taxi's diesel engine disappears into the night. Julie stands at the foot of the path, stretching up to the sinister grey doors of the lodge, which are ominously closed, revealing nothing of what goes on inside. They're not nice people, Julie. The October chill wraps itself around her, but all she feels is heat in her tummy. Her jaws feel watery, even though her mouth's drier than the sawdust on a butcher's floor. Her body lurches forward, and Julie's dinner presents itself to the pavement. Fuck's sake, Julie, don't do that. An arm wraps itself around her and moves her out of sight of the grey doors. You all right, hen? Through damp eyes, Julie sees her cousin, Marie. Julie shakes her head and smacks her wet lips together. What a total minter. You got a hanky? Marie unwinds a navy scarf from around her neck and hands it over. Your ma called Mama. Told us you were singing here the night. Told us about your fight with your dad and all. Feeling better? Aye, Julie nods as she wipes her mouth with the scarf and hands it back. Keep it, hen, says Marie. I don't want a fucking bulky scarf, do you? A car pulls up alongside them and five women tumble out. Julie recognises her mum's sister, Moira. Thanks, driver, Moira calls as the car pulls away at speed amongst the drunken cackle of Friday night women. I think we scared them off, says one. Away, you loved it. Could have been worse. Wait till he sees us at the end of the night. Another cackle of Glaswegian laughter fills the air until Auntie Moira spots Julie for the first time. All right, hen, I hear your dad's no happy about this tonight. Julie can only shrug. She doesn't want to remember. That's a sin, eh? Moira continues. Never mind. How are you feeling? You nervous yet? She just spewed a ring, says Marie. Mind your step, get in. They hustle her past the vomity ground and up the path. Catholic detector no work in the night, says one of Moira's pals as they sail through the grey doors without incident. The group snigger. Vodka and iron brew all round leads to more jokes about the broken alarm system. Julie's uncomfortable. The hall's half empty and Moira's clan make up a large portion of the punters. She sits with a hand wrapped around her drink. She doesn't even like vodka, but she took it anyway because she couldn't think what else to have. She scans the room looking for someone in charge and eventually a balding man in a white shirt and brown trousers makes his way over. You Julie, he says. She stands up, knocking her drink over. The orange liquid swims over the edge of the table onto Moira's lap. Her white jeans soak it up. It's all right, she insists. It's all right, it's under control, I've got it. As she stands, her round thighs nudge the table and another drink goes over. The women descend into snorts of laughter, except for Julie, who's looking at the face of the man who asked for her. They're not nice people, Julie. Yes, I'm Julie, she says, over the noise of her drunken fan base. He looks down at his notebook. Aye, Julie MacDonald, that's what I've got. They'll call you MacDonald and pretend it's an accident. Julie takes a large swig of the nearest vodka and iron brew. One of Auntie Moira's pals chucks a pile of blue paper towels over the mess on the table. Look at his state of me, Moira says, as she tries to rub the stain from her jeans. I look like a fucking orange mivy. You'll keep it down when the singers are on, won't you, ladies? The man says sourly. 
The friend with the spiky-tipped hair gives him a leery grin. Ay, ay, no worries, big man. Moira throws her arm around Julie, squeezes her neck too tight, an affectionate headlock. We'll be cheering for this one, the loudest, but that all right? He ignores Moira and returns his focus to Julie. You're on fifth. What's your songs? Julie wriggles free and tells him. He shakes his head. No, you can't do flash dance. Michelle's already doing it. As soon as they hear MacDonald, they'll screw you over. What else you got? He wants to know. Not much. They're not nice people, Julie. Not nice people. Pearl's a singer, Julie offers. Moira claps her hands and points right at her like she's just got the word right and give us a clue. That's it! That's a what? And Pearl's a fucking singer! She points to the man's notebook. Right that one, don't you? will do that. Pearl's a singer. The woman with the spiky-tipped hair sways from side to side. Pearl's a singer, sewing machine. She sings and then bangs the table. Sewing machine, get it? Singer, sewing machine. Oh, forget it. The room fills quickly. Vodkas are drunk and replaced, drunk and replaced. Auntie Moira's friends are noisy, but a good laugh, and Julie's glad they're there. After she's sung her three songs and sat back down, folk come over to tell her what a smashing voice she has. She begins to relax. Even the vodka starts to taste all right. A guy squeezes in beside her. I thought you were the best, he shouts in her ear. Aye, right. No, no, I mean it. Oh, Gibby, he calls to his pal. Come and meet the star of the show. When he turns back, he says, oh, My name's Malky, by the way. Do you mind if I get you a drink? Not nice people, Julie. Gibby comes over, but he only has eyes for Marie. Julie's amused that he's so blatant about it. Marie, who's sitting on the other side of the table, blushes. Aye, go on then, I'll take a drink, Julie replies. I don't want you going there. A smile plays on her lips as the vodka slips smoothly down. The eighth and final singer is a man in his fifties who's obviously a big Neil Diamond fan. That's a mistake, says spiky-tipped hair woman. Three Neil Diamonds in a row is always a mistake. Sure enough, he's only halfway through his second number and the chatter's rising. Shh! Someone hisses at him. Julie thinks it's out of order. They're not the only ones talking. Besides, Gibby and Malky keep asking questions, winding her up. They think she's posh. She hadn't felt particularly posh until they'd said it. And she does wish her auntie's pals would keep it down a bit. Marie and Moira are whispering about something. Her cousin lets out a massive snort and Moira's shoulders heave with silent laughter. The man with the notebook is sitting at the bar and now he slaps his notebook down, glaring at them. The judges down the front turn round to see what's going on. Sweet Caroline comes to a merciful end and spiky-tipped hair woman stands up, puts two fingers in her mouth and whistles. Brilliant, my man! Pure brilliant! She claps loudly and the others follow her cue. Julie feels the danger pass, but then Malky leans into her. You want to meet me outside? He's so close she can feel the heat coming from his skin. A direct question like that means she can turn to look right at him for the first time. His cheeks are prickled with strawberry blonde stubble, the same shade as the ring hanging from his ear. A faint whiff of kouros sails up her nostrils, making her dizzy. She likes his blue, hopeful eyes. Why not, she dares. As she shimmies out from behind the table, notebook man takes to the floor with a microphone. Auntie Moira pulls her back down. Where are you going? She hisses. 
He's about to announce it. Malky slips back in beside her, closer than before. She feels his hand wrap around hers, a gentle squeeze on her fingers. Here we go, eh? He smiles. Julie doesn't expect to win anything. She's just starting out, after all. She focuses on the bar mat in front of her. Tenants. Her dad drinks tenants. Malky's thigh presses up against hers. She doesn't hear it when her name's announced. A nudge from Malky brings her back to the present. Julie MacDonald, he said. On you go. Julie looks up. All around her are beaming faces. Auntie Moira's standing up, clapping and somehow ushering Julie to her feet at the same time. I'll say it again, says the mic'd voice. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it for Julie MacDonald. Everyone in the room is cheering. Even notebook man's smiling as he urges her to come on up and collect your third prize of £50. She turns her face to Malky. Suddenly, something else is more important. My name's MacDonald, she says. Not MacDonald. Aye, aye, he says, moving aside to let her pass. Whatever, go and get your money. Next round's on you. She makes her way through the tables to the front of the room and takes her place beside Michelle Boyle, first place, £250, and John McCusker, second place, £150. Notebook man hands over a white envelope addressed to Julie MacDonald. Well done, Hen. Thanks very much, she smiles shyly. Her auntie's friends drum the floor with her feet. What a racket. What an embarrassment. But still... Her smile does grow that wee bit wider, even as she thinks of her parents lying on their respective couches watching Family Fortunes or Dempsey and Makepeace or whatever it is that's on on a Friday these days. Wait till she goes back and tells them, tells him. See, they are nice people, Dad. Not everyone thinks the same as you. Not everyone's bigoted like you. Bigoted? She's never thought of them like that before. She's not daft. She knows it exists. She remembers having to run past the Protestant school just to avoid the stones that came flying towards her and her pals as they headed to the Catholic school at the other end of the street. What team do you support? How many times has she been asked that? A gang from the Protestant high school ran riot through her school a couple of years ago. Fenian bastards! The police were called in everything. So she knows it exists. On their side... But not her dad. Never her dad. He's never even said a word about it. She laughs along with the rabble of drunk Protestants as they cheer her back to her seat. Gibby's got his arm around Marie. Fast work. Moira's at the bar and some of the women must have gone to the toilet because there's Malky, sitting on his own, trying not to notice the two lovebirds beside him. On a whim, she changes direction and heads for the door. She stops and waits for him to notice her which he does, and then he moves towards her. The bite of the cold night air almost takes her breath away. Malky pulls her in close, and they begin to snog. His tongue winds its way into her mouth and swirls round hers the way a Mr Whippy cone comes out the machine. His hands are on her bum, and hers are on his. She loves the smell of Kouros and wonders if he likes her George O'Beverly Hills. His hand slides from her bum up her back and runs along the catch of her bra. She waits for his hands to move round the front. She's already decided to let him. She's her own person now, doing things on her own terms. And then his hands under her top, and she pulls back. Am I gone too fast? He says, concern written large in those blue eyes. 
No, 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 just cold, she says, without looking at him. He turns around so he's behind her and leans against the wall, pulling her back on him. She rests against him easily, enjoying the weight of his arms on her shoulders as he wraps them around her. Feel like I've known you for ages, he murmurs in her ear. Julie MacDonald. She breaks free and faces him. It's MacDonald, she says. What is? My name, MacDonald. Julie MacDonald. Oh, right, sorry, Julie MacDonald. His cheek glows in the overspill from orange streetlights, but his eyes are in shadow. They're hard to read. It's Catholic, she says. Is it? He seems surprised. I have a pal with that name. He's orangest bastard you'll ever meet. The doors to the hall burst open and Auntie Moira's pal with the spiky-tipped hair rushes out behind a torrent of vomit. Julian Malky skip to the side just in time. Oh, thank fuck, that's better, Spikey says. Oh, Jesus, sorry, did I get any on you? Oh, fuck, here I go again. Julian Malky exchange a glance and silently agree to go back inside. Classy pals you've got, Malky teases, as spiky-tipped hair pal shambles in after them. Auntie Moira's on the dance floor, giving it Laldi where pals. Marie's face appears to be stuck to Gibby's. Oi, put him down. Spiky-tipped hair pal gives Marie's blouse a friendly, if over-enthusiastic, tug. Marie smiles shyly and moves away from her pool. Malky sits at the end of the row, Spiky at the other, and Julie squeezes between Gibby and Marie. Just to keep things decent, she grins, though she's hardly fit to judge. Her whole body shakes from her encounter with Malky, and she's sure it isn't just the cold that's done it. Then the DJ announces the last song of the night. Malky gives her the look, and they're up, swaying to Benny King's Stand By Me, doing that dance people do when they don't move their feet, but they still hold tight to each other as though they might fall over. That place is the snake's nest, Julie. Her Catholic head rests on a Protestant shoulder. His Protestant hand touches Catholic skin. Catholic and Protestant lips find each other, while above them the glitter ball spins round and round. A hand grabs her arm. Marie's eyes are red-rimmed, her cheeks stained black with mascara. We need to go! Julie looks over her shoulder at Malky as Marie drags her towards the table to collect their bags. What's the matter? Gibby's the matter. Called me a cocktease because I've been game the tip. Bastard, let's get out of here. Moira's smoking at the table with spiky-tipped hair pal unconscious on her shoulder. When Moira sees her daughter's tear-stained face, she says, Aye, it's no long between first love and let's just kill the bastard, is it, girls? She takes a long draw on her fag and nods towards spiky-tipped hair pal unconscious on her shoulder. I'd have a word, but I'm a bit stuck. It's fine, ma, just get in my coat. Marie shouts over the noise of the drums now coming out of the speakers as Julie scrabbles for her bag which has fallen under the table. Suddenly an angry commotion surrounds them. Auntie Moira's voice soars and sinks into the wash of voices, indistinct in the extravagant swell of music. Julie crawls back up from the floor, bag in hand, and discovers a group of eight or ten people blocking in their table. Notebook man pulls Moira's arm, but she bats him off. Spikey's still crashed out beside her. Long live our gracious queen. Stand up, you ignorant woman, you. Get your horns off me, you proddy bastard. Long live our noble queen. Stand up, stand up, stand up. I'm doing it, I'm doing it, Jesus Christ. 
God save our Queen. Between them, Julie and Auntie Moira somehow pull Spike to her feet and wedge her between them while the anthem soars on around them. Julie feels the hostile eyes of the room upon her. Notebook man is only feet away. His hand, still welded to the notebook, lies solemnly over his chest. His chin wobbles as he sings, but his stare is steady and locked onto Julie. O Lord, our God, arise, scatter her enemies and make them fall. Confound their politics, frustrate their knavish tricks. On thee our hopes we fix, God save us all. There's no denying who's the enemy in this room. The music plays for years, verse after verse after verse. When it dies down, Moira turns to Julie and hisses, Taxi, quick! Between them, they manoeuvre Spike, who's a wee bit more conscious by now, to the door. Mind that sick, says Julie as they steer her outside. Over here, a voice calls. Marie's standing at the open door of a waiting hackney cab. Thank fuck for that, mutters Moira. Julie, wait! It's Malky. You just going about saying goodbye? He wants to know. Julie and Moira exchange a look. It's all right, Moira nods. I can manage this one on my own. We'll wait for you. Julie and Malky watch in awkward silence as Moira guides Spike to the taxi. People spill out of the club into the street. You're a decent wee crooner, hen, says someone as they pass. Well done, says another. You're famous, Malky nudges her. Ah, shut up. You okay? Aye, she says. They're all right, really, you know, he says. Can I get your number? Behind him, Gibby emerges from the club with his arm around the waist of an attractive blonde girl. Julie hopes Marie's not watching from the taxi. Ha, Malky, shouts Gibby. Come here. A minute, Malky shouts back. So what do you think, he says. Can I see you again? He's shivering in his shirt sleeves, hands in his jean pockets, eyebrows raised in hope. He's a nice smile. And those eyes. She sighs and looks up at the foggy night sky. He follows her gaze. Mad, isn't it? Malky says. All these stars up there, and we can't even see them. Do you know what, Malky? I don't think it would work out. Her heels click, click all the way over to the waiting taxi, leaving Malky alone at the foot of the path. He stands and stands until the thrum of the diesel engine disappears into the night. <laughs>